This is Kyle's audition for this Dirty Mo program that he's going to start. <laughs> are you going to uh, eat any of that? I will. Are Let's you working shoot, on man. Are you working on Dad Bod 2018 right I'm now? Working on it. <laughs> hey, everybody! It's Dale Jr. back again for another episode of the Dale Jr. Download, and we have that's a Budweiser beer that you just heard. Mike Davis is opening a beer at eight o'clock in the morning. We have beer. beer. We have beer and donuts. Mike, that is what we have, my friend. And we're going to tell you why. We will tell you why. we got a great show. What's all on the show today? Well, Dale, you may not remember this, but uh, 10 years ago, this happened. He'll be side by side down the back straight away. Ooh, man, that was tight off turn two. He's got him. Oh, I believe he's got him this time. Oh, he turned him. No. Oh, he turned oh, him. No. <laughs> it's like it's like Nancy Kerrigan, uh, you know, why? back in the night. Why? why? <laughs> that was one of that was one of several run-ins between you and Kyle back in 2007, and uh, until now, you you that two have eight, never talked way. about that was in 2008. That's what happened. It started in 2007, I would say, when the uh, animosity started happening. So you guys have never talked about it. Until now, we've got Kyle Bush in studio. This is going to be a fantastic conversation. And we want to catch up with the race winner from Bristol yesterday. So that's what we got for today. All right, let's get started. His father won here nine times. He's trying for his first. 160,000 here at Bristol on their feet. Heavily partisan crowd. Bristol Motor Speedway, been a place that both of you guys have had success. Most recently, yesterday, Kyle Bush. Kyle, welcome. What's up? Welcome Thank to you. the Dale Jr. Download. I appreciate it. Thanks for y'all having me. And yeah, this, this is pretty cool. We, um, if you have been over Wait, whoa, 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 whoa. I was just going to let y'all talk. I was going to sit over here and drink some <laughs> beer and donuts. <laughs> to be honest with you, Kyle brought donuts and beer he for did. us. I'm telling you, if he's trying to win our hearts, he and did it's it. it's cold beer. It's cold. Dude, I just Damn. stopped. Like, I I planned it all out. I knew the store I was going to hit. And the lady's looking at me like, you're buying beer at what time? So we'll, we'll I wasn't cheers. sure if it was legal. We'll cheers to the victory. Yes. Yesterday, awesome race. The 24 hours of Bristol. <laughs> 24, 26, whatever, but yeah, it was it was a long one, that's for sure. It was long couple days. So this is a bit of a this podcast is kind of a prelude to or uh, a sequel to uh, an article Jeff Gluck just put out yesterday. We're coming up on the anniversary of the 2008 uh, Richmond race that a lot of people uh, remember and have talked about for many years. Still do, still do. So Gluck gets together and contacts us all individually about doing this article and uh which i've read you've read it yes and i thought it was awesome i thought the way he laid it out was awesome i didn't think he's going to do it that way it's pretty much you know everybody's direct quote a timeline of everybody sort of it's like everybody's in the same room talking and um we have been conversating we've been talking to you for about i don't know several months trying to badger you into doing a <laughs> your own podcast yeah and so because we think that that would be awesome but aside from that it's um it's. I think it led to an op- 
uh, led to you maybe coming on the show. And it just so happened that this article comes out. This is the anniversary of that race. Me, uh, ten years has passed. A lot of things have happened since then. And we thought it'd be a great, op- you know, this is this is the time to do it. This is the time to have you on. So thanks for making time. We're glad that you won the race because now we have the race winner on our show in studio. Usually if we're trying to talk to the race winner, we got to call him up on the phone. So we got him here in the studio. Um, you said you read the article that Gluck put out. A um, couple things that uh, really surprised me. First off, when we started talking, when I – uh, I don't know if you you were on social media much over the last several days because you were uh, in and out of the race car and all that, but I was really surprised. Ten years later, fans are still so freaking passionate about oh, yeah. that night. <laughs> I mean, yep. uh, I hear about it all the time. I bet, and <laughs> I, I wasn't. I I know that there's a direct divide uh, between our fan base. Mm-hmm. And and we call them unicorns, the ones that like both of us. Yes, absolutely. Um, and they're really rare. Yep. But uh, we uh, and me and you've had a lot of fun with that over the years. But uh, I'm so surprised by how people were. There were people that were like, "Oh, this is going to be awesome! I can't wait for this podcast." We had people say they were they were going to boycott the podcast, not what, <laughs> not listen to it. I mean, I was just really surprised that people were still that, you know kind of into or, or st- still bothered or affected by that whole thing. I was actually taking screenshots last night of some of it because I wasn't sure if we were going to talk about what some <laughs> yeah. of the reactions to it were. Well, I mean, we might as well. We might as well. I mean, some of the people were talking about, I'm not going to listen because Kyle hates Dale Jr. And I said, well, if that's the case, wouldn't you want to hear Kyle say it to Dale Jr.? Yeah. Uh, if that is really the case, why can't Kyle speak for himself on that one? Um, I would – I would guess he probably doesn't hate him. <laughs> yeah, but uh, once go ahead. Once we started uh, trying to work out our differences or whatever yeah. people want to call it, we were we would begin to have. Kyle came up with a great idea one time at a driver's intro for us to go. We had qualified side by side somewhere, and he come up with the idea for us to walk out for each other during intros. Did we do that? <laughs> we did. Fortunately, it was. Um, <laughs> I qualified worse. You were in front of me, so you went you out the, for me first. You, yeah, and I got the booze. Yes. And then he got the cheers. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, I tell you, I mean, he said at the banquet that he was now on a campaign to win over Junior Nation because yeah. he was ready to have the cheers. And so, I mean, listen, if this is what he's doing, he's already doing a good job. Between going out when you're introduced, bringing beer and donuts, I got to say, man, you're doing a pretty good job. You're doing a good job. I didn't even have to do this from what you told me a little bit earlier when I first got here. What were you doing last night? What was I doing last night? What do you mean, cheering for you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I admitted I admitted to Kyle that uh, I, I don't recall ever doing this, but I was, like, really pulling for Kyle Busch to win the race because I knew he was going to be here. I even asked Janice, I said, what all kind of media would y'all have built up? He goes, I don't know, your show. I said, leave it that way. Yeah, let, that's let, it. Let, let's yeah. just keep it at that. Yeah, but I shut uh, everything but anyways, else down. So you guys started having fun with – this little rivalry that developed over your fan bases and that kind of thing. And that started, what, a couple years ago, last year? No, I think it started – 11, 12? Bef- yeah, okay. before then. Um, I think, I, for me, it was more about – I can't stand uh, being at odds with anybody. I don't know why. That just bugs me for someone yeah. to think – for someone to have a, a bad opinion of me or, or have the wrong – assuming – I'm different than I really am or something, you know. It just bothers me. So I knew that one one day we'd, we'd work it out. I didn't know how or when. Um, after reading Gluck's article, I really was – it was a good lesson in the fact that 
a lot of wrong assumptions are made about uh, from one guy to the other. I think a lot of yeah, we, give me like, one. We never got a chance to ever sit down and talk about it or hash it out or no. anything like that. Like this is actually kind of the yeah. first one besides us kind of becoming closer, better uh, understanding and a, and a better relationship over the past three four years. But um, there were a lot of assumptions made as to what was kind of going on yeah. and what was going down, and to kind of. I don't think we're here to clear the air from the Hendrick Motorsports side, but it's uh, certainly some construed things that were kind of happening in that time. Yeah, I think we both had the wrong idea of each and each person and who they were. Yeah. And it took a long time. It really took a long time because neither one of us were willing to sit down and talk about it. One of the first things that I think that happened to help that relationship was you were asked, you wanted to ask some questions about your truck team or you wanted to compare notes, I guess, on some things that we were doing with our respective teams. And yeah. we sat down in my bus at Martinsville. I remember that conversation and I, and I left that. When you left, um, I talked, I called my wife and I said, you'll never guess who I just had a two hour conversation with in my bus. And I said, uh, she's like, who? I said, Kyle came in here and we just talking about our teams. And um, I had always you know, the one thing that I've always tried to do, even when we didn't get along, was I respected your talent and I respected your uh, efforts as an owner because I know that that truck team's not easy to run. Right. You know, and I know I know because of the Xfinity team what what type of challenges you're up against, and you you really face all that stuff head on. It's really yeah. difficult. You know, people see good-looking race trucks and winning trucks, and they think you guys are just on cruise, and it's not like that at all. It's really challenging financially. You're, you're, you know, you're probably coming right in at the number every year trying to break even on – Well, on because it's coming in under, so I'm making it at the number. <laughs> yeah, it don't go much over that. Exactly. So I, I respected that. I respected your ability to find talent and just you as a driver. There's no denying you're you're going to go down as one of the greatest drivers that's coming to the sport. You, you're – you know, with everything you've done to this point, plus everything you're going to do beyond this point, there's no denying that you're in that conversation. So I'll, even though we didn't get along, I always respected you. Um, but when we started having these conversations, that really, I think, changed both our opinions of each other. And, and we started sort of, we wanted to get along, I think. Don't you think? I think so. Well, yeah. you guys Absolutely. were originally friends. I mean, like, you guys were friendly. I, I remember that. Yep. I, I think the thing that kind of kept me probably a little bit farther out than getting further in the end was the age difference. Yeah. You know, like, when I, like, you were, we were talking about, like, 05, 06, like, me kind of get into that. I was only, I was 20, just turning 21. <laughs> yeah. You know, you were, what, 30, 30 something probably. Yeah. And so it was kind of already the, the, the split was too great right there. So I was kind of too late. It was kind of like we've already got our club. Like, we're good, but also he's just a kid. Like, I didn't want to be corrupt either. <laughs> no, I hear you. There was, um, you know, I was another <laughs> now thing. Now I'll just corrupt you. Another thing that surprised <laughs> me about Gluck's article was the fact that at the it, when you came into the sport that you you sort of envisioned us as becoming friends one thing that I think nobody knows about was at the um, when you were you weren't quite as far as we knew, and I say we, I mean DEI. We didn't know exactly what your situation was as far as who you had a contract with or whatever. And I stopped you in the bus lot at Michigan, I believe, and said, "I don't know what you're doing, but I want to let you know that DEI would be interested in talking to you about driving their Xfinity car for Chance too." Mm -hmm. And uh, I was told I was tasked 
by Richie Gilmore and some people at DEI to to talk to you and put that in front of you and okay. try to try to put you know put that bug in your ear. And I know that um, Hendrick probably already had you maybe wrapped up at that point, but we we were trying to make a push. DEI was trying to make a push to get him uh, in that company at one time. So I, in that moment of two or three or four months, however long that was going on, when you were up, when you you had yet to make your decision on what you were going to do. I was already thinking about you coming into the, the, you know, what would that be like having you, you know, we everybody thought you were most, you're a really talented guy coming into the sport, um, trying to race cars, race trucks and everything. I remember all that because it was actually going to be, a, I think, a split thing, right, between me and Truex. Yes. They, they were offering a split ride. Yeah. And so I hadn't signed yet, but that was kind of something that was on the table. It was the... The seven-year Roush lock you in deal. Right. <laughs> it was the chance to split with Truex deal, yep. and then there was the Xfinity deal with with Hendrick, and uh, and so all all of that was was going on at the time. So yeah. Yeah. So that was a point. Your memory's way way better than mine. You know the funny thing is, is like you were remembering things about that. I was reading that article, and you're remembering things that I that I forgot, like right. um, and vice versa. Yeah, but I don't think a lot of people knew that DEI was pushing to get Kyle, and Kyle was being courted by all three of those teams at one time heavily we had run-ins before uh, you mentioned it at in the article the 2007 kansas race yep um i want to say that uh there was nothing personal there if you want to go look back at the tape at, uh, <laughs> well wait not at that race but if you go talk to ryan newman i actually wrecked him identically at atlanta two races in a row uh-huh. uh, i had a real bad habit of I was the top was so good at that time in those cars. You were good at the top at and that I time. And I had a real bad habit of running in the back of everybody that come <laughs> up off the come up off the bottom. And I know that when you That's where Brad got it from. Yeah. And that <laughs> was watching you. The <laughs> You mentioned something in that article. You were like, I came off the corner and I gave him the top. And I forgot about that. You did. You gave me that outside line and I came down off the top and ran straight in the back of you. Because in my mind, you were coming up to the wall. Right. I know this is, like, hard for you to believe or anybody else is hearing this because it doesn't sound <laughs> true. But that was like um, I had a real bad habit of running the back of people off that corner <laughs> or off any corner, really, from the top. Because I, I don't know why me and Newman – I don't know why Newman didn't try to kill me because I wrecked him twice off of the off of turn two at Atlanta the same yeah. exact way. Yeah. He was – you know how hard he is to pass. And I had these monster runs off of turn two, and he pulled right up in front of me, right, I mean, right against the wall. And I just was drive straight in the back of him. And then he did it again the next race. And I'm thinking, man, this guy's huge. I can't, you know, if I keep doing this, he's going to try to kill me physically. But uh, Clearly you didn't think Kyle was going to try to kill you because you wrecked him twice that year too. I wrecked. I ran into Bobby Labonte. Off there of, might have been more. That's just twice <laughs> I remember. I, yeah. tur- I turned Bobby Labonte in – at Vegas off of the top, <laughs> off a of turn two. I just had a terrible habit of doing that. So, really, in 2007, when that happened, I did not know where I was going to drive. I had no idea that I was going to Hendrick. We were still uh, talking to a lot of different people. You probably did the whole tour, right? Yeah. He did. It was. I went to talk to a lot of different teams. You were about probably four or five months ahead of me. Yeah. and um, Three. Three months? Yeah. People talk about the... Uh, the Texas race, uh, where we both got in that crash, where Stewart smoked up the whole racetrack. Yeah, I don't two. remember what happened. So Tony, so Stewart, Tony spun, right? Tony was having a terrible day and was getting lapped. Okay. And 
lost his car and and just stood in the gas and had smoke everywhere. So I slowed down because I couldn't see where he was. And I plowed right through you. And you you hit me because you couldn't see anything. Yeah. We come in the garage. All I remember is uh, Pidge come down and said, "Hey, we want to. We need somebody to drive the car. Can you drive it?" And I said, "I'll, I'll try to get in there." And your seat was so small because yeah. you're so skinny. I was. That I had to sit in there sideways and drive like this. I, it was the most freaking dangerous thing I've ever done in my life because I was. There's no way I was going to survive a crash so, if, I, if anything happened. So from my standpoint on that deal, when I wrecked, when I hit you, like my glove was stuck to the steering wheel and my hand shot off the steering wheel. It actually ripped the back of my hand open. Wow. And it, like, it kind of hurt my wrist. But anyways, like, I was like, oh, we're done. It's over. It's killed. Like, it's destroyed and all that stuff, you know. So we pull back the garage area. And I go up in the hauler, and I start changing my clothes. And I'm like, okay, well, somebody's surely going to come tell me whether or not they're going to fix this thing or not. And I asked the PR lady. I'm like, are they working on it? She goes, well, they're working on it, but I don't think they're going to be able to get it back. So I walked out of the hauler because nobody talked to me about it. Yeah. I went back to my bus, grabbed my stuff, got in a rental car, and, and left. Like, nobody ever – said anything that we were going to go back out because I swore the thing was destroyed. Yeah. Right? I mean, I knocked the air cleaner off the thing. Yeah, it was bad. And so, anyways, they ended up getting it back together. And how you got, what, like five, eight laps in it or something? Yeah. they. Oh, we ran a lot. Oh, you did? Yeah. Okay. We, uh, I, I can't remember. We ran a lot. We had it, it, a, it was at the end of the race, yeah. though. They and were just like trying 40, to make a few extra laps. 30 or 40 laps, and there was an opportunity to pick up two or three spots, which I think happened. But my whole thing was you probably don't – I don't know if you if you understand this, but anyone that wasn't driving a Hendrick car, all you heard about and all that would be talked about in your garage or your your shop would be the Hendrick power. And I'm thinking, man, here's my shot to feel that Hendrick power, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and I'm I I was disappointed because I wasn't gonna know how the car really drove because yeah. they put all the left front suspension back on it. But I was like, man, I really get a shot to. They're going to let me drive this car and feel this motor and, and drive their car and get some understanding and take whatever I can learn from this situation back to my team, which was nothing really. I was glad to drive it because we had so much respect for their motors. Sure. And uh, I didn't know Alan. I didn't really know any of those guys. At that, at that point, still had no idea that I was ever going to drive for Rick. You had either just announced or you were about to announce the next week that you were leaving DEI. Right. I don't all think it came out happened. yet. Yeah. It's, I mean, it was all happening at the same time. And when I, what I remember about that time was there were some things that were beyond anybody's control and they were just coincidence, but everybody speculated, oh, wait a second. He jumped in Kyle's car when you announced everybody that you were leaving DEI. Everybody thinks that's all tied together. That, that it was all tied together. It wasn't. Yeah, and right. you guys, it was just coincidental that you guys were sort of getting pitted against each other. But you weren't even trying that, right? Yeah, I mean, he right. like he he hurt his wrist. He left. You ended up driving the car. Like, who would have predicted that, right? Yeah. And yet, it sort of played into the narrative that played out over the next several months. I just remember trying to get in that car. I was really excited because I was going to get to drive it. And then I got in the seat, and I'm like, oh, no. I'm not going to be able to fit in here. I mean, it was huge. <laughs> I wish it, you didn't fit. It was how such a huge thing. Well, I, I didn't. I was just trying. I was like, "Oh no, I'm in here, and how am I, now I'm going to get out and say I can't fit." Or what so if you I can't get out? Freaking shoved myself <laughs> back in that seat. It was so uncomfortable. Get all the butter you can. It was terrible. <laughs> oh, it's awful. But we both gained some pounds since then. I uh, I might be able to fit in them now. Um, you can fit in mine now. <laughs> yeah, you'll be all right. So moving forward, 
I was probably 145 then. You were so skinny. I, was. I, I didn't know. I mean, you were skinny, but damn, that seat was tiny. Uh huh. So then, so we, you kind of went out of order. So we had Texas incident, then we had the Kansas incident, yep. then uh, which was the, later. I mean, so so the Kansas incident that was after Dale had already announced that he, he had was already going to Henry Motorsports, and you know how I, I had already that. announced, and you had already announced because you had this yeah. great quote. I had forgotten about Kansas until I read Jeff's article, and then I remembered. That was the famous quote where you said, I hope those boys on the five team get, uh, and, and appreciate him coming over and wrecking their car because they're contending for a championship, and I don't think he's got any or something like that, right? I don't It was. Oh, oh yeah. It was oh. something basis, based off the line was, like, he's, he's actually wrecking his next year's equipment well, already. The, it, right, right. right. <laughs> like something like that. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> that doesn't seem like anything you would say in, the, in that moment. I remember uh, that. I and was like, so, mm, and so yeah, he's right. So yeah, that, <laughs> so then yeah, so then there were run-ins that I had forgotten about, and that led to what I already knew was a tumultuous 2007 season where you guys just ended up, you know, on opposite sides of the trenches, and that was another one that did not help because you were contending for a championship at the time. At the time, uh, yeah, I mean, whether or not we would have made it there or not, who's in to know? But um, doesn't matter. Yeah, that comment. I remember that, and that made it my mind go, hmm, he thinks I'm taking his ride. And I'm thinking the whole time, I'm not taking your ride. They're they're moving uh, – they're keeping mirrors. Mirrors is taking your ride. <laughs> that made me assume that he was – he was like, Junior's screwed me over so many times. He's wrecked me. He's pushed me out of HMS. Or he's coming there and, and turned me out of – you know, I, I, I had it in my mind that you were – you thought I was the devil. Absolutely. He yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Were, were you surprised when you read that article how what what he said about mirrors? Did you know that he felt that way? Uh, I no, I did not know that way. Uh uh-uh, uh no. So what what he said about how he actually kind of told those guys, hey, I think we ought to keep Kyle and Mears probably ought to be the guy to go. Um, I, I never would have known that that he would have said anything like that. You know, I wish there would have been a chance that you and I would have been able to like get together while all this was kind of going yeah. on and just be like, what are you doing? What are you doing? What can we do together? Like now, yeah. at this time, at this stage of my career and my age, I would have done that. Right. Well, you, know, you both are hard-headed. Yeah. I mean, huh? let's, let's, let's admit it. You had every chance every week to ever get together. You guys were both stuck. I, I think he's right. I think uh, we were both young. He was right. older, though. I wasn't still. <laughs> he probably should have. <laughs> he didn't act his age at that time, though, Kyle. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I still didn't. I wasn't mature enough even at that point. But, yeah, I think uh, – um, People are going to say, well, it worked out for Kyle. I mean, and it did. Oh, yeah. You're you're in an amazing organization, done amazing things there. But who knows what could have happened had we got together right. and uh, figured out a way to, to – had we become teammates, you know, who knows what would have happened. So we'll move on to uh, to the Rich, Richmond race. Well, Enough. well, well hold up. I, before you move on, to, I, I want to move on to 2008 for sure because what I think also – this wasn't in the article, but I, I, I want people to remember – how good both of you were out of the gate in 2008. I mean, now you're over at Hendrick. You won, you know, about every race except the Daytona 500 that weekend in your new car. The points battle was amazing. He won Atlanta. He won two races. And here's the thing about that. You led a lot of laps. You led in those first 10 races 401 laps. You led 398. You guys were basically like neck, and neck. neck and neck, with the exception of he had a couple wins. You were so close. You had second place finishes, and as you know, there I remember are, you got. Did you sit on the pole at Daytona? He sat on the pole at Texas, 
He sat on the uh, – no, he did not sit on the pole at Daytona, but he won his uh, duel. Okay, yeah. And so he started third. Yeah, yeah. And he won the pole at Texas, and you guys were just always right there around each other. And you know how when you go into a season, there was a lot of pressure on you and really the whole team based off this newness. Now you're at Hendrick. You know, you got no excuses. What are you going to do? And you know how you do. You look at the schedule and say, okay, this is a race I know I can have a good chance to win. This one – well, Kyle goes off and wins Atlanta, and then Talladega. Talladega is the one race that you, you know, you're like. And My you, only win at Talladega. Yeah. You led a ton of laps that day. You might have even led the most that day. And this guy goes off and wins it. And it was just like one of those other things where I think Kyle at that moment, if he was in the mindset that we now assume he was, was just like double bird finger. Absolutely. Yeah, right. Yeah. And, and he was taking advantage of every opportunity he could that ultimately led up to Richmond. I yeah. think it was just like a time bomb that was kind of just building because he was winning. You both were leading laps. You and Tony Jr. were feeling pressure. Your team was still trying to figure out what the hell is going on because yeah. they were his old guys, right? And so it's like – It definitely was a uh, us against them. Not You didn't want it to be, but like everywhere I turned, there was Kyle. Every, yeah. yeah. At first, I think it was kind of me versus 88 team, junior, like those guys, mainly junior. But then kind of as it developed, as the season was kind of going, it was more of like a me against Hendrick Motorsports type thing. Is that right? Yeah. Like it just became like a, look, you all made this decision, so now you're all going to feel the wrath of this decision. Do you think that made you better? Absolutely. Like it drove you? I, no question. Yeah. I think anything you can find a fire of, you're going to use it. Yeah. You know? So we get to Richmond. <laughs> And I totally didn't remember what happened in that race up to that point. I Denny, hadn't either. Denny, okay, so Denny's – Boring. Yeah, Denny's dominating. And we read in the article that um, so I'm still a little mad at Denny because he parked on the racetrack. You know, that's a real no-no. So Denny was leading, and I was second, and you were third, right? Yeah. And Denny started to have a flat, and you started gaining on me during that long run. Right. And we both got to Denny at the same time. Mm-hmm. And then I tried to go low, and you went high, and we, you made it around him first, and now you're the leader. Yep. And it's, what, 20-something to go maybe? Yeah. Okay. And we ran – we got down inside the last few laps, like to inside 10 to go. Yeah. And uh, Denny parked up on the racetrack, and in, his, in the article he says – Gluck tells him that I'm pissed because he parked on the track. He goes, quote, yeah, well – if I never got the flat tire, he would have never had the chance in the first place. So, like, like that's an excuse to park on the he's track. He's still not owning the fact that he stopped <laughs> on the, even after all this. That's perfect. That's quintessential Denny Hamlin. Uh, oh, man. And and that's exactly – as soon as that happened, I knew, and like you say, in the, like you say uh, as you recount the, the events, you had the better short run car and I didn't. And I knew. I'm like, man, I'm going to have my hands full. And that's why I went right to the top. Because at that particular time, that was it was That's hard. Where to, you were going? It was hard to pass guys. Yeah, you know. Yeah, it's hard to pass people. Well, remember too with those COT cars. I said it in there was we had. Remember we had all the wedge pulled out of them things. Yeah, we were running like fifty percent wedge to get them things to turn. And you go off in the corner and touch the brake pedal, and the dang left front locks up because there's no weight on it. Yep. You know, so yeah, it was a uh, it was a recipe for disaster. For disaster. <laughs> And everything, like you say, Mike, everything up to that point throughout the first half of the year was leading to this moment. And here we are at a crossroads. I'd never, even in the moment, like as mad as I was, even in the moment, I knew that it wasn't you turning me on purpose. I just, that I, as a race car driver, you know how to move somebody. 
uh, that is not the way you move somebody out of the way. That He went down in that corner. He tried to get into the corner, and I'm not putting words in your mouth, but as a race car driver, I'm looking at it, and I'm going, he went in the corner a little higher trying to get a better arc into the corner because a shallow entry on the bottom there it wasn't going to work. And he knew that, so he's trying. As I'm moving up the track, he's like, "Okay, if you're going to go up the track, I'm going to go up the track a little bit, and I'm going to get a better angle for the exit." And like you know, he just got down in there and got loose up underneath me. Well, the other thing too was like each lap, like there was a little bit more. We're trying harder, and yeah, deeper, a little bit more, deeper, yeah, a little bit deeper, a little bit more. And I'm getting the sense of urgency because I'm like, "Man, I got to go. Like, I better complete this now." Because I know that if I can complete it now and get out in front of you, I have a better shot of holding you off for the longevity of the rest of that run, which was, what, four more laps? Yeah. And if you would have cleared me, if you would have gotten out there, it would have been over. You know, so right. I knew, like, I was like, ah, I just, I got to get it done. I got to go. Yeah, my car was rolling tight a little bit on the early runs, and that was, that was, you know, it took my car a while to sort of build up uh, to where it would roll center and turn in the middle. So we get down in the corner, uh, car get, you know, we get together, cost you the win, cost me the win. I was going to say. I, I mean, both of us got taken out of the lead there. I think the one thing that bugged me was, and this was just you at that age, was when you were in front of a microphone, the way, the things that you would say. <laughs> and I'm like, God, you know, it, it's enough that we're, it's an, it's it's hard, I guess it's, awkward enough as it is that everything that happened between me and you in 2007 then the exchange of teams and where you went and where I went and all those things that happened us bad you know us sort of tit for tat on the racetrack up to that point I knew that the wreck wasn't intentional but it was when you would get out of the car and say and I know how now out reading that article I know how I know why you did that but when you get out of the car and say things that you would say I'd go ah you know, if it was just, hey, man, I was racing, I, you know, I got in the corner too deep. But you wouldn't. You would get out of the car and go, ah, f- it. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> so what? So what? He got wrecked. You know, and you had such a chip on your shoulder. And that was the part. And and, and really, as I, I was really – it took a while – so did you know in the moment, though, when, when the wreck happened and you got a chance to see it, that it wasn't purposeful? Yeah. He says it in the interview, as a matter of fact. In fact, Tony Urie Jr. gets on there and says, it looked like Kyle got loose. You see, yeah. He said that on the radio. And uh, in, in, in your interview, actually in both your interviews, y'all were pretty decent about it. Um, the only thing that got you a little off the rails was the fact that Pidge, yeah, yeah, Rick yeah. Pidge, went down there and you guys have a friendship and y'all had words. Yeah. And that made it, uh, uh, you know, sort of about that. And so – but Dale Jr. says in a very dejected, disappointed way <laughs> that you did not try to intentionally wreck him. Right. That you got loose, and yeah. Tony Jr. said that. Yeah. So. so you read in the article, though, like my mindset in, in that moment was, was like if it was somebody else, if it was a teammate or if it was somebody that I was actually kind of like getting along with, there probably would have been two more inches given, right? Right. An extra sure. given. Sure. But in this moment, there was you no did. given. That's right. So it was kind of like, ah, I got loose, yeah, whatever. Right. Like you said, you know, so. <laughs> That's right. I, Sorry. I, no, yeah. And I, I reading, the, reading the article and remembering everything that happened, see, you, you kind of forget some of those things that happened before that moment. And I, did, I saw it from my point of view, not yours. And so reading the article gave me your, vi- your, your viewpoint of the right. whole experience. And so I get why 
in that moment you're like, screw it. I don't care what he, you know, I don't care if he's upset or whether you know whatever happens to him there happens to him. I get it. So that from that moment on, super frosty mm-hmm. yeah. for for several years. Because it, can we admit that Kyle still, let's just say, maximized the opportunities to that he was given yeah. to take digs. I mean, would yeah. you agree? The ones that would bother me was um, the one that bothered me the most. I'll never forget it. Was at Dover. We always had this twelve, uh, this top twelve. The top twelve drivers had to do the media, media on Friday, yeah. and I dreaded that every day. Not because of I did too having doing media, but I knew. Even though you don't think I did, I yeah. did too. I, I I know you probably didn't enjoy it. I won't name names, but there are a couple of people in the media. They're not there anymore, but they would always ask Kyle something about me. Every week almost. And they would walk down to whoever, who's ever holler they were at first, they were going to get a nugget there and take it to the other guy. And it was every damn week. And Kyle said this, what do you think about that? Dale said this, what do you think about that? And we couldn't get over our differences because the media kept shoving it in our face every day, every Friday. And we were at Dover. This was probably two or three years after 2008 incident. Me and Tony Jr. had split up. I had, I think that was just happening. I just started to work with Lance, and they asked him what he, what they thought, what he, what does Kyle think about Dale's uh, struggles and his, and the crew chief change? And Kyle said it's never Junior's fault. Yep, and I remember that. That was quintessential Kyle Bush at the time. <laughs> that probably bothered me more than anything that ever happened on the racetrack. I mean, re- racing and wrecking and getting wrecked. That's just shit that just happens. You know, you get turned around, get spun out. And I don't even remember the others. I don't. I mean, I don't even know if you ever said anything else outside of that one comment. That one comment bugged me so bad. I was consumed by our rivalry in different points in, of my life. Like, uh, I always knew where Kyle Busch was at on the racetrack. I don't know. You know, it just I'm glad that it's over. I'm glad that we get along. I don't know if there's anything that, uh, bothers either one of us about it anymore. I don't seem, I don't feel, I don't feel bothered by it anymore because it's been such a long time. But man, I'll tell you, there for from 2008 to 12 or 11, I was consumed by it. It bothered the out of me, and I hated it. I didn't like it. It wasn't like fun at did, all. Did you ever feel like it was sort of kicking a man while he's down? Because 2009 and 2010 were the worst years for you and you were you were sort of trying to find your easy i was an easy target yeah and i mean i even i even thought my career might be over i mean i I thought i didn't know whether i was gonna come back from here i am at hendrick motorsports where i'd wanted to go because it was the best and i'm in my mind i'm thinking i'm I'm going to the best team this is my opportunity if it you know i'm putting myself in a situation where i gotta make it happen and it was going south like south and i'm thinking man my you know my shits. this could be it, you know, if I don't, I don't know how we're going to turn this around. And Rick don't wait around too long for people to turn around. And, and I don't know that he, I don't know how he's going to treat me, but I've seen him make changes before right. with drivers and crew chiefs, and I don't want to, this is getting bad. Uh, so I had that all on my back. And then Kyle's taking his shots, and he's winning. Oh, man, it was tough. It mm. wasn't fun at all. <laughs> Eventually, you know, I don't know, I, I I, I think I've seen a change in Kyle when he when he got married. Samantha seems to be an awesome uh, person in his life that's sort of changed his demeanor. Demeanor. 
for sure. That's a great way to put it. And yeah. then you became a father, and that's gonna I'm just gonna change anybody. I'm about to go through that experience. I changed a lot. I got I got married and, and met Amy around the same time when all this was happening. Um, she changed the way I think about things and the way I handle things. To ha- you know, you come home, you get wrecked, or I say some, you know, if I piss you off or you piss me off, and you come home and there's nobody there to tell you whether you're right or wrong, you're just going to be hard-headed. Yeah, you, yeah, you keep boiling. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, your wives will sit down with you and go, hey, really, is this that big a deal? Or they'll agree with you if they think you're right or whatever, right. you know. And that's, I think that that's helped both of us. Yeah, um, mine's a little fiery too. There's sometimes yeah. where she gets her. She defends you. Her blood gets boiled sure. too on certain situations. Kyle, what was your recollections of the aftermath of that first Richmond race? Uh, you know, he was talking about his 2009, and, and and I know the rest of 2008 season. I mean, we haven't even talked about something that you did bring up in that article, and that people do casually forget about, and that is that Dale got you back at Richmond. Oh yeah, on, on, on the uh, return <laughs> he trip. He says that in the article. He's like, nobody it, remembers that. <laughs> But, and he's right. <laughs> he's right, though. And that's that's not actually fair. Uh, and, it is. So, so let's talk about the aftermath of the first Richmond. Okay. What was your recollections of everything, and what were your feelings? Of the of that night? Well, start there, and then in the rest of the 2008 season, so, uh, and, and so then even it, to 2009. In the Gluck article, I, I stated that I don't really remember there being anything different. And Samantha was like, are you drunk? Like, what's wrong with you? And I was like, what? I don't remember anything. And she goes, there were things being slung at us, and there was rocks being thrown. So we, we went from the motorhome lot on the golf cart over to the helipad. We used to helicopter right. out at that time. Mm-hmm. It was still pretty busy to get out of racetracks. And so we golf carted over there. And so Samantha was on the golf cart. Dickerson was on the golf cart. I think uh, – no, it wasn't Dickerson. It was Cody. Cody was on the golf cart. Cody Salmon, right. Yeah. And um, and so we made our way over there, and there was words being slung, rocks being slung, hats being slung, beers being slung. At you? At us, at the golf cart. We had the sides down, but, yeah, there was stuff hitting the golf cart. You I don't said remember to that. Jeff. Oh, okay, you didn't remember. You thought I it was just remember. a regular old ride out. I did. And so when I got to the – now that I got a little recollection, Samantha remembered, gave it back to me. Uh, but when we got to the helipad, there was a couple – remember there was a couple, like, trailers? And so they, they – from where the crowd, there was always oh, a, yeah, a yeah, line yeah, of crowd right. you go going around in, the back, and then you go yeah, around. Yeah. So they took me all the way in and all the way around, and they put me in one of those buildings until the heli- till the helicopter got there, and then we went in the helicopter. Yeah. So they, they kept us away from, from the masses for that. And then past that, for like the rest of the year, like there was crazy death threats and stuff like that. Like There was death threats to the house. There was a guy that called, um, I don't remember if he called NASCAR or the racetrack, but it was Kentucky Speedway. I was at Kentucky for the Xfinity Series race. And I won, it was back then when we flew in to run the standalone Xfinity Series races. And so I won that night. And as soon as I did the victory lane stuff, like they, they corralled me and got me and took me into a cop car and took me out of the racetrack in a cop car. And I'm like, what are we doing, boys? Like, what's going on? And they were like, we've had a tip off that there's, there's a, a shooter on the loose, like, a guy's coming to the racetrack with a shotgun. Well, that was his Uncle Danny. Jeez. That was no – no, I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. So it was just stuff like that, and that was kind of happening not weekly but periodically through that time, probably definitely through the rest of 08 and maybe once or twice in 09. And so we actually had like a, a behind-the-scenes FBI, FBI guy ta- tailing me through the rest of 08. We, let, we didn't need him – we didn't think we needed him anymore after 08 was over. So I do remember that guy. Um, he, wow. He yeah. came with us. <laughs> I had no idea about no, that. No, I yeah. didn't either. He came with us about everywhere, so I I did remember that. So 
past all of that stuff, the next part of it was like an 09 and 10. Like, what about it? Well, let's talk about like, you know, leading to Dover. I vividly remember the Dover comment. Did you, do you recall saying that even? Yeah. D- do you recall it being pre-calculated? No. It's just that you comment in the moment. Yep. Were you baited by media, do you feel? Absolutely. You always. I always. always I'm, I'm smarter now. Right. But to not take the bait. Then, anytime they baited me, they, they, they had my number, man. They knew what they could get yeah. what they wanted. It was just, it was just I could, throw it, it on out there. And let oh, it. yeah. <laughs> uh, oh, I was, I was a catfish, man. I was just like, ah. So, uh, do you, how many wins did you have in 2008? Ten. Uh, in 08? Eight. Yeah. Oh, gosh, that's a lot. Carl oh. won nine. I won eight. Oh, okay. Yep. And did you feel that did, me off. did you feel vindication? <laughs> did you feel vindicated after that 2008 season, or did you still carry the chip on your shoulder into 2009? I didn't feel vindicated because we sucked so bad through the final ten. Oh, really? Like as soon as we hit chase time, we literally just stepped on any tack we possibly could find. It was horrible. So you guys just didn't have a good playoff or good chase. We did not. And so no, you did not had, feel vindicated. No, but it it didn't have anything to do, do with Dale with Dale or with Hendrick or anything like that. We just absolutely faltered and and threw it away you know so that was it probably things probably would have maybe turned around sooner if if 08 would have ended with like a championship I may have been a little bit smarter and grown up a little bit quicker where it would have been like hey Dale I'm sorry I'm I'm a total (laughs) I'm sorry like can we we just forget about 08 like I'm okay now like everything's good You're yeah. saying you th- did that ever cross your mind? It, there were times, yeah. It was like, man, when can we just figure out how to bury this hatchet? Like, I hate being mad at the guy, but I just, I was just, I was always waiting on him, and I don't know why. I felt like I was the girl in the moment, you know, just waiting on Dale to do something. Maybe it was because of age, or maybe it was because of his stature, or maybe it was just because uh, I don't know why it was because. That's that's interesting because you know, and I mentioned this to Jeff, is that I I remember at Watkins Glen you being at the back of your hauler, and and I know you don't remember this, but I was, I think y'all were partnering each other, and you were like, why does Dale not even talk to me anymore? And I thought that you as being you know kind of cocky and like 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 you didn't know why or something. Yeah. But um, hearing what you're saying now, maybe that was kind of a seed you were planting to say, look, you know. Are we going to ever talk about this or yes, what? Yes, right, correct. Yeah. That's yeah. so crazy because I never thought of it like that. I thought that he hated – I thought Kyle hated my guts, hated what I was or who I was or didn't didn't want anything but bad <laughs> to happen to me. Really? I yeah. mean, and, and – <clears throat> I wouldn't say it was that bad. I right. just hated your guts. I, I think I <laughs> – yeah. So that's – so it's just weird to hear you say, you know, even in those moments that you were hoping that things would turn around. I think I was too. It just, yeah, I, we're just really hard headed. Were either one of you guys aware of the brewing rivalry between your fan bases? And did you ever think that, hey, maybe this is an opportunity to maximize it, much in the way your dad did yeah. with Jeff Gordon? No. I, we did know about it because we both couldn't escape it, um, especially on social media. But he had me covered. I mean, I don't know whether it's we just, 50 <laughs> to 1 or 10 to 1 or what the ratio is, but he, no question. We weren't. Junior's got me covered. Yeah, we weren't <laughs> smart enough to to think about how to. I won't monetize is the wrong way to look at it or say it, but like take it to the racetrack and use it as a yeah. positive for the sport. Or man, we weren't smart. Our you know when Rusty and Dad were going through that, man, they were in their mid thirties. I was going to ask you, wasn't it Bodine and your dad though yeah. that kind of had that? Yeah, worse. They did, but they really hated each other and and wrecked each other until Bill France Senior got in there and said, "Y'all going to quit." 
Right. So that's kind of <clears throat> that's similar to us. Right. Some, nobody stepped. Nobody stepped in to straighten us out. Uh huh. Um, they just let it fester. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I know. It. Isn't that nice? Yeah. Good for you guys. Yeah. Uh, and neither of us were smart enough to fix it ourselves. Right. So fall Richmond. Fall Richmond. Yeah, he wants to talk about fall Richmond. So we uh, we don't need to talk about that. We don't have any time. Let's go. We're out of time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so here's the thing about fall Richmond. I I felt like that if I didn't wreck you at some point, um, my fans were going to be really pissed. Even after this, I was already behind three zero. I know. <laughs> well, I didn't. Who's keeping score, right? <laughs> that wasn't, was. Yeah, I know. that wasn't the score that my fans had. So I was, <laughs> I was under a lot of pressure uh, from my fans to to do something, and from myself. Like I felt in my heart, like if I don't get him back, then I'm just gonna be this. I'm, everybody's going to look at me like this guy that just get wrecked and not do shit, you know? And you know as a driver how that feels sometimes when you get done wrong. You're like, not only do I got to – not only am I mad at this guy, but I got to show everybody else here that I ain't going to take this, you know? Mm-hmm. I ain't going to yeah. take and, – and there's – I don't know what that's about, ego, uh, just being hard-headed and, and ignorant. But I had to – I felt like, man, I have to do something. And here is perfect opportunity – was right there in front of me. We're at the same racetrack. We're running you down early in the race, and <clears throat> it was just a perfect opportunity. And I was like, I, if I don't do, so you'd been you'd been looking for the opportunity oh, yeah. for a long time. Well, yeah, he'd been contemplating it. I had been contemplating it and think, dreaming about it. <laughs> Are you kidding me? <laughs> like, uh. but at the same, if you can understand this, man, even even contemplating it. And thinking about it all the time, dreading it. Because I didn't want to do it, but I had to do it. And is that making sense? Oh, it's not really your driving style. Yeah. I mean, you, you know, it, that's what's also always the awkward thing is that when your dad's fans that became your fans expect you to be your dad, but then also they'll compare you to Dale Earnhardt based off of driving style. And that always is an awkward comparison and awkward conversation as well and that wasn't what you'd like to do you don't like taking people out ever well there's a no-win situation for any of us in that right right yeah i think that um it's definitely not my personality to uh i try i hate confrontation i in any form and i try to avoid it at all costs um i like to you know i like everybody to be happy um but that's not going to be the way it is on racetrack and in and in that environment but I felt this pressure, like if I didn't do something, that I was going to always be labeled as this, you know, uh, it's just going to be, uh, he's not his daddy, he's not, you know, you don't stand up for himself, he lets people push him around. Um, I mean, Kyle had said all these things, uh, or, you know, the Dover comment, things like that. It's like, man, I got to do something if it if it's there in front of me. And... Luckily, like you're talking about the wedge being out of this car, the left front tire locked up. Mm. And that was like my, well, you know, I got in there too hard. My bad. Um, if the <laughs> left front tire does not lock up, it's completely obvious what the hell is going on there. You'd even worked on your talking points once that ever happened. That's beautiful. Well, <laughs> I'm just going to blame it on the wedge. The only thing is I didn't do a good enough job of it. Kyle backed in the fence just barely and kept on going. I mean, it did, it did hurt your race car a little bit, but I was a little disappointed. Yeah, instead of finishing fourth, I yeah. think we finished eighth. Yeah. I didn't get him good enough. <laughs> <laughs> I think he did in 07. Yeah. Yeah. So that was that. And, yeah. and I, you know, I don't know. I, 
So how about the situations where – okay, so Richmond, spring Richmond happens. I am public enemy number one. Yeah. And then you have a couple run-ins with other drivers throughout the last five, six years, whatever. Like and who? And a, one driver twice. Who? In one year. Who? YRB, right? Ryan? Yeah. Oh, I yeah, and yet, uh, and yet, like that gets blown over, and yet I am like still well, public enemy number one. Well, I, to be honest with you, I, like I almost felt. You tell me if I'm wrong. Uh, I always felt like one of the things that sort of drew people away from you guys was the fact that you kind of had some Brad Kozlowski's, you know, run-ins. Uh, I'm Logano. Mm-hmm. Um, there have been. I mean, you found some other. Th- people to, to to and it usually was people that you were racing against I mean so again by no fault of anybody's you end up being right there in the trenches and that happened so I, I thought always that kind of deflected a little bit of the attention away from what was going on in you guys between 2008 and 2009 yeah th- yeah but I think the, the the chorus of the booze at driver intros is spring Richmond stems from that yeah absolutely I mean like when I fear, even when I first started, I had my first Xfinity Series race at Charlotte Motor Speedway in the '87 Ditech car with Nemechek at Charlotte there, yep. and that was right in the time where Kurt was getting into it with Jimmy yes. Spencer. Yep. So I was guilty by association. I remember week that one race one yeah. moment one. So I get booed at driver intros, and I'm like, not fair. <laughs> Not fair, but yeah. kind of one of those moments where, like, hell, if that's my welcoming moment, then yeah. right, it's not going to go well. <laughs> it, it, I, I'm under a no-win this situation is, to begin with. Yeah, I, that's exactly right. I remember that. I remember um, people booing you or, or people didn't like you right out of the gate because of what uh, what was going on in your brother's career at the time. And then to top on top, you know, put put on top of that, what happened through 2008, there was no way you were going to escape that. What? Uh, let's talk about. It's jumping way ahead. In the last uh, probably two or three years, I've seen a concerted effort from you uh, to be more personable. And you use this opportunity a lot of times in social media. You're doing a lot of videos, funny videos. You really used to do none of that stuff. And it was all, you were either happy when you won or pissed when you lost. Uh That's all you knew about Kyle Busch mm-hmm. was, was the guy that won second or the guy that won the race. Two completely different Jekyll or Hyde, but now you're kind of showing a personality that none of us is really. A lot of us knew was there, but none of us, none of the fans have really seen in the last three years. And I don't know whether that's something that you and your wife talk about, or is she part of helping you do that or encouraging you to do that? Is that something you that come up in your own mind? What's going on there? She's a little bit a part of it, sure. I think that she's kind of the one that that's there in the moment and kind of gets the the camera if you will you know so um like the the martinsville one for instance when we were leaving the racetrack and we were in traffic and i saw the girl she was just playing with her phone in the passenger seat and she had an m&m's hat on and i go hey watch this to samantha you know just messing around and i I honked the horn a couple times and she like looks up and looking to see what's going on nothing's happening so she goes back to her phone so then i roll my window down and i honk the horn and that's when you get the reaction we we got that on camera you know but um, that was a, a unique instance. And then there's other times where, um, whenever I see, like, even when I go to driver intros or when I go to the driver's meeting or things like that, when you see people that are wearing your stuff, like I tend to try to veg them out and go right. take care of them for what they have to do and endure and put up with all the SHIT from everybody yeah. else, uh, from the other <laughs> side of the fan base that it's like, I'm going to take care of them, uh, first and foremost and do what I can for, for the Eminem fans, 18 fans, the Kyle fans, whatever it might be. 
And so that's been pretty cool, um, seeing people out walking the streets in Vegas, you know, when we went out there for a couple of appearances. And so it's just rewarding to be able to, to give back to, to my fans and, and what they're all about and, and, again, the stuff that they have to put up with. Yeah. You did uh, some TV show where y'all were, I don't know, you're dressed like a, kind of a 50s greaser. Mega race on Discovery. Right. All right. So you you allowed you allowed them to dress you up, take your picture. You did this football spike with yeah. M&Ms. Yeah. I mean, those are things that I didn't see Cobblish doing years ago. Yeah. And it's really, I'll be honest with you, man, it's really refreshing to see your personality instead of seeing the second place finisher and the winner guy that everybody sees on on TV, seeing you be you, um, you with your son and your wife uh, during the week. That's one of my favorite things is when drivers share what they're doing on Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. Right. And it's, it, there's t- I understand, like, I mean, there's even part of, part of me that thinks, like, uh, you know, there's parts that I don't want to share. I don't want to share too much. I don't want everybody knowing everything we're doing, but – that is such a gift when when drivers open up a little bit on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. I'll be honest with you, man. That's the best thing that I've seen you do in the last four years, uh, three or four years, that I think has changed a lot of people's perception of you and changed that. We were talking about, you know, the guy that they all booed in 2008. I think a lot of people, and I've read it on social media this week when we announced the opportunity that you were going to be here, a lot of people said, well, oh, boy, I really hated him when that happened. But then this happened, and I've changed my mind, or I'm come around since then because of X, Y, and Z. Um, yeah, there's certainly a, a that's a that's a tool, right? I mean, yeah. you can utilize that tool as as much as you can, as much as you want to use it with what content you have uh, or what you make of it. But um, you know what, what's what's unique about that is you're talking about how people see the the winner or the loser or whatever that that's what like a 15 20 30 second soundbite that you get on television yeah and that's at your job and when you're defeated at your job and because of everything that you give it and all you do is eat sleep breathe dream racing and you fail at that when you finish second when you finish third that's a failed day in my mind and so i'm devastated i'm heartbroken i'm pissed off i'm whatever i am that's how people think you are through your whole life. Right. Well, that's not the case. Like, I, I'll i get over it. It might be Monday. It might be Tuesday. I'm not sure. But I'll, I'm going to get over it. I'm going to get on to the next one. Yeah. You know, but at the racetrack, man, like, that's that's my that's my office. That's my space. That's my work time. That's my job. I try to focus in on all that. And when you're away from that and you're having cool moments and doing other things that you get a chance to do, it's uh, it's it's pretty awesome. I, it, and it doesn't matter what you do. You're always going to get picked on one way or another yeah. for it right so for instance this um this past win at texas we were in the drive-thru at in and out burger and i look through the window and i see this kid wearing a yellow sweatshirt and i'm like who wears a yellow sweatshirt <laughs> right <laughs> so i stare at him for a little while and i'm watching and he starts to move just a little bit and i see a k and i'm like that's got to be mine right and then he like moves a little bit more and i can see the one underneath the k and I'm like, that's a Kyle Busch sweatshirt. And Samantha was like, yeah, that, it looks like it. And so um, I asked the guy behind the counter, I'm like, hey, just give me one of them paper hats. Let me sign it for him. Go give it to him. It's kind of like a surprise gift. I saw him. Like, he'll cherish that. Not only did he cherish that, and he, and he loved that, which was really cool by the kid, but now I'm getting beat up on social that I didn't drive around and get out of my vehicle and mm. go in the store and meet him and shake his hand and take a picture and sign an autograph for him in the store. Yeah. Well, I had already thought about all of that, and I knew as soon as I would have went into the store that the other 20 patrons in the store, 
it would have been about them too, not just the kid. Yeah. I wanted it to just be about the kid that was wearing my stuff and not about everybody else within the store and having an autograph moment, you know? Yeah. So I've all that they the mom already responded to us on social. We're gonna take care of the kid next time we go out there yeah. and see him and meet him and have fun and whatever. And so it's like like we got this stuff behind the scenes. Like I don't need to be beat up just because no good deed I, goes unpunished. Let, let right? me ask you something. <laughs> and I, I know we need to get to some fan questions, but the, but I'm gonna ask you a question. What I'm hearing from you is a, a concerted effort to do nice things and win people's hearts. All right. Now that's probably pretty deep. But I also hear and even Dale Jr. has had this comment, how when they sit there and they analyze the state of our sport, they will often say, we need that antagonist. We need Kyle Busch. You always get looped into that role yeah. to be the bad guy, so to speak. Yeah. So my question to you is, where are you comfortable? Do you like being the bad Are you trying to get away from the bad guy image? Or is that something that you have purposely relished in? And, and because, you know, you used to really lean into that bow at Bristol and lean into them, those victory uh, yeah. deals. And I, I want to know, where do you stand right now? That's a great question. So fortunately, I feel like I've got the support of my sponsors now. Like, they get me. They understand me. And mainly speaking of M&Ms and Skittles and those guys, uh, I, I don't think I have a problem with Interstate. Those guys are, are awesome to begin with, with Norm and Scott Miller and those guys from Texas. But, you know, M&Ms, they, they've been with me for a long, long time. They've been supporters of me through a lot worse stuff than uh, than getting some booze at the racetrack. But um, the interesting thing is they're like, look, when you keep doing some of these little neat things with the, the, the social posts, you know, the autographs here, the surprise visits, like they're all about moments of surprise. So they, they like that sort of stuff that they feel like – the the bad guy image like that's just a that's just a character like that's just somebody out of a movie you know what i mean like that's like the joker in the batman movie like it's just that's kind of what it is at the racetrack but they know the flip side of it so they get me and they may not they may we may not always change the perception of every single fan out there and they get that and they understand that in the grand scheme of things they're a billion dollar business with a b right and they have billions of people that are buying their stuff worldwide. When they get 30 or 100 or 300 emails or phone calls about something Kyle Bush did, that's like an ant mm -hmm. walking through the world. It doesn't, it doesn't correlate to their core business. And so it's, it's good, but yet bad maybe at the same time. Uh, I'm not sure how you could look at that. Are you misunderstood? Absolutely. More times than not, right? Yeah, I agree. Right? I think so. <laughs> what I'm hearing, because I like it's a, the struggle between knowing when we didn't know each other. You could obviously say that we were both a bit misunderstood of one another. Yeah. But now that we've gotten to grow a little bit closer to one another, we can see each other and what we're all about. I mean, hell, this idiot over here even uh, even <laughs> invited me to his wedding. I mean, who does that? <laughs> well, I mean, he invited everybody. <laughs> he did invite everybody. Well, okay. no, I did not. I'm kidding. Kyle and Samantha were the most active. Uh, they were the ones that sort of set the set the tone at the uh, New Year's Eve portion of the party on dance floor. Y'all must take classes. No, no, I am skilled. Damn. Boy, <laughs> when I was watching we took, all... we took one. Uh, we took two classes before our wedding. Okay, just to make sure that we yeah. got the first dance down. Yeah, you know. Right. Okay. Y'all were dancing the storm up, man. It was in. It looked like y'all had been taking classes. Like y'all. I appreciate that. Dance. That's got to be Sam. Classes on the so side. So are you saying that you didn't like my touchdown dance then? 
No, on the social media? Yeah. It's hilarious. Oh, it's I couldn't wait for NASCAR yeah. chasm to make yeah. a gift. People, <laughs> people, were like, people were like, man, you, you can't quit your day job. And I was like, man, I didn't think it was all that bad. Uh, so no, it. it's perfect. Listen, it let's, was just enough. All right. Let, it was just enough. <laughs> we're going to uh, answer some fan questions. There were many. Let's throw it to an Exalta Race Center update real quick, and we'll be right back. This is the Exalta Race Center update. I'm Natalie Sather. Both Cup and Xfinity competed at Bristol Motor Speedway over the weekend. However, a rainstorm would delay the Cup race till Monday. On Saturday, Ryan Priest outran Justin Allgaier to win the Fitzgerald Glider Kits 300 Xfinity race. Fellow junior motorsports drivers Elliot Sadler finished fourth, Tyler Reddick seventh, and Michael Annette crossed the finish line in 21st. With laps already in the books, the Food City 500 would resume on Monday afternoon where Kyle Busch would use a move Kyle Larson had already pulled on him earlier in the race to pass him for the win at Bristol. The Junior Motorsports late model drivers were off this past weekend. This has been your Exalta Race Center update. Exalta is the official paint partner of NASCAR, developing, manufacturing, and supplying coatings to all types of vehicles and industrial applications. For more on Exalta, visit exaltacs.com. It's time for Ask Junior. I got a question. You have a question for me? Hit us up on Twitter using the hashtag Ask Junior. All right, let's uh, go to the questions now. A lot of fans chime in, of course, because they knew we had Kyle Busch in the house. So uh, I'm let's... pulling up the numbers. Yeah, man. Yeah, yeah it's all this baby. is definitely going to be our best episode. Your <laughs> listener or worst. No, it'll be the best. Well, Jason Hamilton, uh, this is kind of a general question, but I think it really has a lot of value, and I think as racers you'll appreciate this. Uh, if you guys could live firsthand in any driver's career, past or present, who would it be and why? I don't envy you for a minute, by the way. <laughs> so you wouldn't want to be Dale Jr. for? No. Too many bad. To me, it's too much of a roller coaster. I wouldn't want to no, do it over not again either. of that, man. The amount of pressure and stuff that you've had in your entirety of your career, just let alone, like, in 1998 when you won the championship. and Like, I was a fan of the sport in general. I loved watching racing, and I was a fan of Dale Jr. I was a fan of Dale Jr. when he got to cup, you know, just – Dale Jr., right? So if I'm a fan of Dale Jr. because of Dale Jr., everybody's got that same allure. And then 2001 happens, and now you've got even more put on you. Like, that's just something that I, I could never even imagine. So obviously I, I look up to you a lot in that respect because that's huge. Appreciate it. Right? But, um, man, I, I don't envy you for, for one minute. So I don't want to be Dale Jr. Yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't want to do it over. I think – um, I'd say dad, but dang, man, I mean, Richard Petty's career was pretty awesome. Think about racing back in the 60s and 70s, 80s, and 90s. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, doing it all. I've always looked – I've always really not been as – I love the drivers, but I was always more curious about the cars Yeah, when I see, like, the old Dodge Chargers and uh, how did they drive, what did they drive like, where, you know, how did they feel and the tires and how they drive. I'm always more interested, I guess, in the cars and what the cars were like. And Petty won in four different decades, so that would be a pretty cool career to to, to live uh, first-person view through. Absolutely. i, I got to agree with you on that. I think Petty with the four different decades and because he ran all the races yeah, and won through a lot, that time. Celebrated like, a you lot. You think about Pearson, and it's like, well, Pearson ran full-time three times. Yeah. That's it. You know, so Petty's the guy. Here's a quick uh, fun one. Todd Barry. Uh, Todd Barrier? Todd, Todd, no, no. Todd <laughs> Barrier. Man, if we had a question for Todd Barry, that would be cool. Yeah. Todd Barry wants to know, uh, Dale, what's Amy's favorite Mars candy product? Be prepared, Kyle. 
Oh, uh, she likes dark chocolate. I mean, because like, apparently it's healthier. I don't really know. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit. Uh, yeah, right. It's yeah. like chocolate. It's chocolate. Yeah, if you eat 10 of them, it doesn't really I help like, you, right? I like, I'm a big Mr. Goodbar fan. She likes the, the dark chocolate. So. Dark does chocolate she get, M&M's? Uh, there you does go. she get dark chocolate M&M's, or does she do like the uh, ethyl M's? Ethel M's. Okay, I'll get you some. What the hell? I don't know yeah. what that is either. Anyway, uh, I've never heard of that. <laughs> it's like, um, it's like Toyota versus Lexus. Uh huh. Like it's, oh, it's oh, the high end. The high end. I've never heard of premium premium M and M. Yes. Whoa. Yes. <laughs> premium M's. Pre- <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'll get you some. Uh, Tim Stockwell, uh, big senior and junior fan, but here lately, I love Kyle. I love what you and Samantha have done with your bundle of joy fund and personally i'm a big fan of that as well because my wife and i went through it and Mm -hmm. what sam and you did publicly helped a lot of people that were going through the same thing uh he said that he battled an unexplained infertility for four years and it gave him a different perspective uh now they're expecting a baby boy in august yeah right on uh do you have any advice for him and dale on the upcoming fatherhood Mm. there you go you can't go wrong becoming a dad i mean it's just um you know, it, it's how you were raised. You kind of look at the things that you're – now that you're becoming a parent, you look at the things your parents did, and you're like, why am I the way that I am? And you're like, well, that's why, that's why, you know. Right. You, you look at some of the things that you think you can do better than what your parents did, but then you also look at the things that your parents did well that it's like, man, I want to mimic that or I want to do that. Like Brexton right now, it's like, how soon is too soon to get into a race car? Just let him be who he is and who he wants to be. I was 13 when I first started, so it's really not that big of a rush, right? Um, but – you know, I think it's just being supportive and um, and being patient. Obviously, I've grown into a lot of patience lately. <laughs> with, with Brexton, he seems to have that very passionate type uh, personality where he is what he wants to do, when he wants to do it, how he wants to do it. And so there's a lot lot of hardness in, in being able to break him from some of that stuff. But it's fun. I, I love it. I wouldn't trade it for nothing. All right, a serious question here, a uh, competition question for Kyle uh, uh, from Alan Bedgood. Uh, Kyle – why are you so against spec engines and what's your idea of maybe leveling the playing field uh, without penalizing top teams and uh, the lower funded teams as well? The spec engine thing is, look, racing, was, I think, was made in the days in which anybody could go out there and put anything they wanted on the racetrack and go out there and, and compete with it, right? You look at what's Smoky Eunuch wouldn't be what Smoky Eunuch is if it wasn't for the opportunity to be innovative and make changes and work on his own stuff how he wanted to do it. If it was always just go down to your local store and grab an engine and put it in and you couldn't do anything with it, we would have no Smoky Eunuch stories. You'd probably not have very many Dale Inman or Richard Petty stories as well either, right? So everybody wants to create parity and make everything fair. Why are we in the world of fair? Like, I don't want a blue ribbon for my son who finishes second place at the local fair or whatever I want I want them to win I want them to get the trophy you know so that that's how I look at things it's just like there's a winner and there's other not so winners they're losers <laughs> I mean it just is what it is what what do you think I mean I uh I you know I like I agree with you about taking innovation out of the sport is a bad thing uh too many rules is a bad thing uh they they certainly could benefit from opening up and uh, allowing a bigger box for guys to get creative in. That'd be under the hood and the engine, the bodies, the the chassis, all kinds of things. There needs to be innovation and guys learning new things. You don't have to uh, – the only th- – you know, they worry that it's just going to drive costs. Anytime anybody's doing anything to try to re-engineer something, that it's going to be expensive. But really that's uh, – 
But I think, like, some of the things, like, back in the day, for instance, I'm talking maybe 90s-ish, you had guys that were working on chassis, working on setups and Mm -hmm. getting the mechanical game down. So they would excel probably at the shorter tracks. And then you had guys working on – other teams were working on aero developments, and so they wouldn't be as great at short tracks, but they'd be good at mile and a half. You had guys that were working on horsepower, the Yates guys, right? Like, they always had the two-mile racetracks down. They were the motor team. Right? Yeah. So you had – other. Teams were working in different areas and utilizing their spend in different areas, and now everybody the, – the rule book is so tight and so thick that it's like everybody's working in the same space all the time, and there's there's so hard nowadays to find any little particular advantage. And if, the, if that advantage is found, right away everybody knows what it is, and they go to work in that area, Yeah. right? So it's just – it's too close, in, in my opinion. You don't have room for people to be good at – for instance, us, right? We're good everywhere we go because there's not much you can do anymore. Where years ago, you'd have somebody good at short tracks, speedways, whatever it might be. Yep. DEI game, the the rad pro, the yeah. rad program, yeah. right? Rad program. Good, yep. good points. Did you read the baby books yet? I haven't. So me you and Amy, baby books. Me and Amy have <laughs> stacks of babies books. We're like, oh, we're gonna read these. Dude, you, got, you just winging it. You got like 15 days. I know it. I know. Or sooner. You better get them glasses out, son. Get on it. <laughs> I know it. <laughs> All right, one last question uh, on Ask Junior. Uh, Roger Wolf, I thought this was really cool. All those years uh, with you guys where you definitely really kind of were at odds and definitely didn't like each other, did you ever dream you'd be sitting here doing a podcast together? (laughs) (laughs) Did we do one already? I can't remember. I was in here with Samantha. One, Samantha did. That was, no, that Kelly. was Kelly's, Kelly's show. show. Kelly did uh, Fast Lane Family uh, for Dirty Mo, and uh, Samantha was a guest. And you were here. That might have been the day that you met with Kelly, possibly. Uh, maybe not. No, but I know you stopped we met in. With her before that. Okay. Okay. Because yeah. she actually talked on the show that day about how you know Kyle's not so bad with Samantha. That's right. That's right. <laughs> so you have been in the studio before then. I got to watch out when I go down the hallways here at JRM though, because Why? I'm still not sure there might be a foot that sticks out of a doorway or something. <laughs> oh Lord, no, I doubt it. I doubt it. I doubt it. That would, uh, especially down by the Kelly office area. <laughs> I, I've got one more question. What was the question? I forgot. Did I you guys ever you think ever you'd be on a podcast together? Uh, no. Back in that day, absolutely, no, absolutely not. not. Hell not. <laughs> no, but the last few years, yeah. yeah. Yeah, we were just trying to figure out the right time and how to do it. When are you going to start your podcast for Dirty Mo? Mine for Dirty Mo? Oh, yeah, yeah it's going to be for Dirty Mo. Like I got to come here and do it? You, you can do whatever you want. We'll make know. it easy on you. I, he, he, turn, here's an idea. Send me a term sheet. Turn, okay. It's turnkey. I will. It's turnkey. <laughs> hey, I'm not doing this. No, hell no. Our agent who is <laughs> new to – you, you don't want to do one every week? No, I don't want my own – Like, I don't want the studio, the equipment, and all that sort of stuff. Oh, yeah. The turnkey, you, you, That's what you I'm kind saying. of yeah, sold you, it with that. You come in here, sit down, talk about anything you want for – That's right. Now you don't have to worry to about hour, the post-race interviews because you got your own way to do yeah, it. Yeah, I hear you. But You know what it might be? It might be like on some some – really blown up race days or something like that. We'll just like, we're going in there. We're going to talk about it. Watch this. Yeah. Our agent, we, we have, uh, he's sort of new to NASCAR uh, out in L.A., and he has just been blown away by some of these characters that we have all just taken for granted all these years because we know them. And he's like, Samantha Bush and Kyle Bush, they have got to be on a television show. Uh, and I got the idea. And he goes, and this needs to be the Dirty Mo Show. I said, okay, hit me with it. And he goes, it's like PTI. It's Kyle Bush and Brad Kozlowski. <laughs> and all they do is debate. And it's real because I know they don't like each other. And I'm You're like, talking about on a show? I'm Why talk- would I ever agree to be on a show with Brad? 
<laughs> because it would shut down the networks. It would crash. I would. Never it would crash win. the. I would, would, would never win. It would any set debate. records. You would. I don't know about that, no. man. But but they say you know we were just talking about before. The fact that his He's dad, and political, man. his like, dad and Gordon and all kind of own that rivalry. That would be a way to kind of own that rivalry in a way. And, and uh, who would who would you do a debate show? Watch it. Start to like one another. <laughs> no, nah, let's not go that far. <laughs> then let's not start it. <laughs> all right. Well, we threw it out there. We got to get you, man. I, I tell you what, you'd be incredible. And tell me we what just you have want. to. We'd have to convince you to do it. But uh, not that show, maybe. But maybe something else. <laughs> yeah. Maybe something else. Not that show. Okay. All right. <laughs> Keep coming, bud. White flag, bud. White, white flag, flag right there. Right. White flag. We're going to wrap this up with white flag. Kyle, I know you already know what white flag is because you subscribe to the podcast and all. But, of course. The, uh, <laughs> but uh, this is where we talk about Dale's upcoming week and promotions, and I'll even give you an opportunity to do that. Just so you know, everyone, Dale Jr.'s raffling off his Camaro. We've been talking about it for a few weeks. It's a Corvette. I'm sorry, it's a Corvette. Oh, my God. Are you going to raffle hey, off at least the that Camaro was a Chev- Chevrolet. Yeah. It's not like you said. Yeah, right. No Camaro. We've been doing this every week, and I just got that wrong. Sure it wasn't a Camry? That's another scene. <laughs> oh, good heavens. No, I'm pr- pretty sure it's not a Camry. Uh, it's <laughs> WendellJr.com. You can just go see for yourself what it is that he's raffling off. $25 raffle tickets. Don't forget, Dale will be back on NASCAR America Wednesday night. It's the Wednesday. Wednesdale's next time. Wednesday. $18. Uh, make it $18. Are you trying $18 to You're trying to rowdy kid. up Junior Nation. <laughs> I, you, this is what you're doing. It's cheaper. It's, <laughs> <laughs> it's cheaper to be a Kyle guy. It is, I guess. <laughs> yeah. It, yeah, it is. I'm economical. What can I say? <laughs> Are you still trying to win Junior Nation? I mean, what is your best campaign pitch? Oh. Uh, the banquet I thought was pretty good. It I was mean, funny to do it right then and there. But um, I really don't have a, a campaign pitch. I think the overall pitch is just um, having fun, drinking Budweiser at eight o'clock in the morning, and winning races. <laughs> All right, there's right? his campaign pitch. Um, our our numbers for the download have been incredible. Just want to remind you, if you're new to this, many of you might be because you just tuned in to listen to Kyle and Dale talk about Richmond. You can subscribe to the show on all – in fact, you subscribe to all Dirty Mo programming on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, all podcasting platforms. Also, don't forget to follow Dirty Mo Media on all the social media channels, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram. Kyle, what do you have going on this week? Uh, I have team meetings coming up, but Fine. all that boring stuff aside, we're going to do the Denny Hamlin Foundation charity race, the Hamlin Short Track Showdown. Oh, does he park it under caution? Uh, does he bring out the <laughs> caution in his charity race? He probably will, yes. Got it. Okay. So, um, <laughs> that's on Thursday, right, up at Langley yep. Speedway. We're going to go up there. We're going to run that. It's the old late model stock cars, so you're familiar with those. I'm not very familiar with those, well, although... There's a tire rule at Langley you can put on as many as you want. So oh, don't get him started on what? that, Is right? Not, yeah. yeah, so if you want to come in and get new tires at any point in the race, help yourself. That's not what I heard. That's what I've – well, Philip Morris. Oh, <laughs> you're talking about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I heard about Okay, I did hear about that. All right, so our race, the Denny Hamlin Short Track Showdown race, I think it's uh, 200 <laughs> laps, and you run the first 75, and then you could come in and get four. Oh, and then good. you got to run the final 125 on the same set. Do you know whose car you're driving? I'm driving Marcus Richmond's car, gotcha. my crew chief at oh, KBM, who helps Timothy Peters in the. Lake oh, that's a good track. team. Yes, they yeah. got. Denny's driving one of those as well. Denny's driving one. Sell and him Timothy's in a 22. Driving, so three cars. Okay, what number's yours? 18. 51. 51. Gotcha. No, of course. Yeah. Not black, <laughs> black rowdy machine. Yeah, of course. That'll it is. be. Uh, that's an incredibly great uh, team. 
So those are great race cars. Yeah, so my car is a brand new car. It's actually a KBM chassis. So Really? Yeah, we'll see how that goes. Your first true late model chassis? No, so my first true late model stock car chassis was the one I won with at Richmond. Okay. I won the Denny Hamlin Short Track Showdown Y'all at Richmond. Y'all built a straight rail, or a, not a straight rail, but a late, uh, model, stock late car. model stock car. And won. One and one. It won its first race. Mm. Wow. Oh. Yeah. Where's that car? It's Sell in it. the shop. Oh, is it? Yeah. We ran it again the following year at South Boston and ran third. It wasn't yeah, very good. Not as good. Huh. No. So we built That's another one. That's pretty cool. Marcus wanted it, so we gave him uh, we gave him a car. So we're going to go run it this weekend. And then we're at Richmond this weekend, the old 10th anniversary. I'm sure we'll see some film of that in the highlight reels of the pre-race Just show. Just a little yeah. bit. Yeah. The 10th anniversary, they'll bring it back. What are you doing this weekend? Uh, Let's see. I'm on Baby Watch, so what am I doing? I'm not doing anything. I got to go to – I'm going to Philadelphia tonight. Yep. For the Urban Youth Racing League, they're giving out a bunch of awards. I've done that. I've been there. Very cool thing. Yeah. I, I I started. I was I was associated with them back in two thousand and one. Was it, Mike? And that was before my time. Yeah. yeah. And then uh, Friday, I am going Redskins to Foundation. Redskins Foundation. We're, we we donated and raised money to rebuild a library in a local school up in D.C. And we're going up there to finish the finish the decoration of the library. I get to hang out with the Redskins players, which will be a lot of fun. So pretty busy weekend. I won't be coming to the track. Uh, I'm missing the racetrack pretty bad. Of course, I don't know what I'd do if I was there. But you're there for Fall Richmond, right? I will be. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm gonna run the Xfinity race. Yeah. Are you? No, I can't run that. Oh, one. Okay. See, that's oh, the great thing. Why not? Oh, that oh, would be oh, it. Oh, oh, I would wreck it out of it. God. Man. <laughs> That's the great thing about being retired is you can run all the Xfinity races that you want. Um, one. And he's got yeah. one. Right. Well, one on the schedule. You know how hard it is. Yeah. Do you know his yeah. crew chief's going to be? His? Yeah. Uh-uh. Steve Latart. Yeah. Oh, is that right? And I've got to ask. It, he's got to come out of the TV for he that, will. right? He's, I'm going to. This is our is plan. Is he going to do prep and all that stuff, too? No. Or is he just going to show up? He's just going to show up, oh. sit on the box, and call the race, which that was what he was so good at anyway. Right. Uh, you know. <laughs> he wasn't good at the other part. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you should run that race and bring out Addington and, uh, you know, just kind of do a 2008 throwback. Oh, <laughs> man. That'd be ugly before it started. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the, um. The one thing that I'm wanting to do during that race is, since I'll be NBC, is I'm I want to do uh, what do they call that? The in in race reporter when yes, the driver. Yeah, yeah. So I want to do that, but under green flag. What? Yeah. So I want. You are. I, yeah, I want to talk on the broadcast during the green. That's only happened. Like push a button. Or yeah. Just open like Mike. No, like hey Dale, what's going on? Well. Ah! Oh, this, this damn thing won't turn. What do you expect? <laughs> you know. Yeah, do it. Nobody's ever Absolutely. done an in-race reporter Absolutely. during the green flag, yes. so that's yes. why I'm, I'm gonna try yes. see if they'll let me do it. I gotta ask. Ro I gotta ask Roger Penske's permission, but I'm gonna see if TJ can spot. He's available. There's no way they're gonna let him do that. Why not? If I ask Roger, well, he it, might. It, he's it, available. With Logano, I guess Logano, as long as he's not running that race, yeah, right? He's not. TJ's available. Well, there you go. He's available. TJ only has like a couple. Closing thought. Uh, Everything I gathered from this whole experience is that there are a lot of assumptions that were incorrect in this whole deal that festered over years. A few conversations, although they're very hard to have, would have helped the situation for everyone. So hopefully this whole podcast uh, inspires a lot of people to go out and get with their uh, arc rival and straight do, out. Do you guys want your fans to get along? Come wouldn't, on. Well, would it, it wouldn't bother me if they did. It wouldn't bother me if they did. Wow. All right. There they wouldn't go. be any more unicorns, though. No more unicorns. No more unicorns. Right. Yep. 
Well, you know what? The bottom line is y'all made up, and we had donuts and beer. I mean, it's a perfect yeah, day. You win the award for that. I know. God Thank almighty. I was thinking of bringing my drink, but I was like, that's dumb. Let's bring some bugs. <laughs> there you go. All thanks, right. Kyle. You got it, brother. Appreciate yes, you. Yes, sir. Thanks for I having know, me, winning. guys. That was cool. That was fun. Winning the race. You're going to have a busy week. Appreciate you cutting out a little bit of time for us. Yeah, that's right. Um, good luck in Richmond. And uh, going forward, looks like you guys are uh, going to have a pretty good season. And we'll see you around. We'll hope to continue to do that. All right, good luck bud. with Baby Watch, man. That's right. Thank you. All right. All right. Crack me open a beer. <laughs>